So the inevitable has finally become reality. Family, friends, dog, they're all happy for Trevor Lawrence, the new Jacksonville Jaguar. And it's a new era of Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcome to the third episode of Gridiron Gold. I'm your host, Jake Willoughby. Joining me will be Chloe Norseth, Keaton Campbell, and Ellery Davidson. On today's episode, we'll be hearing from Keaton about the NFL draft process, getting the unique opportunity to hear Boomer Esiason discuss the draft, and finish up by giving our thoughts on the upcoming 2024 NFL Draft. First, let's get an inside look into what the NFL Draft process looks like from the perspective of a draft prospect themselves. With the announcement of the first pick of the night. With the first pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Carolina Panthers select Bryce Young, quarterback, Alabama. A moment like this one is one that every football player dreams of their whole life, especially once they get into college. My name is Keaton Campbell, and I have loved the NFL Draft my entire life, and I have always been interested in the whole process and how it can change one player's life. I interviewed Elijah Shelton, an edge rusher slash linebacker for UNLV. He is an NFL draft prospect that has a very unique college experience. My college football journey started off um, at Utah State University. I was there for three seasons um, from August 2018 till uh, I want to say about January 2020 is when I left. And then I transferred down to the University of Utah, uh, where I played a year there when um, they had gone to the Rose Bowl uh, in 2021. And uh, after that season, I decided to follow my coach from Utah State to uh, UNLV which is where I'm at now. He's also grateful that he's been able to stay healthy throughout it all. So it's been kind of a journey for me personally. Um, been relatively healthy throughout it all, which is nice, um, knock on wood. But um, yeah, I, I feel like just moving from school to school has been a little difficult having six different head coaches um, I can't even name how many um, position coaches, different position coaches I've had throughout the years. Um, but overall, it's been it's been um, something that's taught me a lot of life lessons as far as um, just maturing and growing older, uh, how to be on time, how to be accountable for others uh, within your team. He's also grateful that he's been able to stay healthy throughout it all applies to everything um, down the road in life, whether it's a job or um, your family. You, you just kind of have to step up in those big moments for your family or your job and, and kind of take care of the necessary things. And I feel like football has definitely um, put me in a position to um, has definitely put me in a position to excel in, in these things later in life. 
Wow, Elijah has been through quite a journey to get to where he is with football. He is now preparing himself for the NFL draft and has a lot of emotions that come with that. I am excited. I feel like this is just a moment that I've been waiting for for a long time. Um, you know, and everything that I've gone through between the three schools and all those coaches and body hurting and, and all sorts, um, I just feel like like it's the time is just finally here and and I just need to finish out this season and just continue what I've been doing to put myself in a great position for uh the draft this year it's an exciting moment in Elijah's life being able to get to the NFL draft. He says that competition has meant a lot in his journey and being able to get to where he is and do everything that he's been able to do. I mean, I always have competition in my life. I just feel like uh, competing at the highest level, um, which is college sports right now, and then the NFL is just, it's just a part of me. It's a part of... Um, that competition aspect of my life that I want to fulfill. Um, uh, but I also do it for those around me who've put in so much time and effort to get me to this place in my life. And I feel like um, reaching that level and um, obviously the, the pay and everything could really help out my family, um, as far as just making life easier and, and just kind of repaying all my debts from, from these 23 years that I've been on this earth. Uh, I know my mom has put a lot of time and effort to see me, uh, do what I love to do. So there, but there's not a, better feeling than than repaying that to the to the woman that has given me everything making it to the next level is very important to these athletes especially to elijah he is an amazing athlete and has worked very hard to get to the point where he is today the nfl draft is an amazing process that allows athletes to change their lives overnight this is keaton campbell reporting you'll get the exclusive opportunity to hear from Boomer Esiason, former NFL MVP and current CBS Sports Analyst. He had a lot to say about the NFL Draft. Hi, I'm Chloe Norseth, and I'm here with former NFL MVP Boomer Esiason. I would also like to congratulate you on being inducted in the Ring of Honor with the Cincinnati Bengals. So my first question... Well, thank you, Chloe. It's great to be with you. Yeah, it's great to have you. So my first question for you is, can you tell me about your own personal experience with the NFL draft? I understand you didn't get picked as high as you expected. <laughs> That's exactly right. Thanks for bringing up that bad memory, by the way. <laughs> uh, it was back in 1984. I thought I was going to be a first-round draft pick, which is the difference between maybe 2 to $3 million from where I was eventually picked, which was the 38th pick. Uh, overall, which was the 10th pick back in the 1984 draft, because there were only 28 teams back in the NFL at that time. Uh, there were a lot of things going on uh, surrounding me personally. Um, there was the uh, the, opp the opportunity to go to the USFL, the United States Football League, which was uh, in its infancy at the time. 
Uh, there was also um, a question as to whether or not I was a coachable player. Um, I think I proved that I was. But at the end of the day, um, you know, a lot of things happen for different reasons. And I think at the end of uh, it all, and when I look back on it, I ended up with the right team, the Cincinnati Bengals, because there I had a head coach, Sam Weish, and a starting quarterback at the time, Kenny Anderson, that gave me uh, a place to grow where I didn't have to play immediately. And uh, I was able to learn. And by the time I was in my second year, I was able to take over. That's great. And then my next question was going to be, were you happy with the team that you ended up with? And it sounds like you definitely were. Well, I mean, eventually I was. Uh, the day of the draft, I, you know, at that point, I was hoping somebody was going to draft me. I actually thought people forgot that I was a part of the draft that year uh, because it felt like it was an eternity from when the draft started to when I was eventually picked. So it was a humbling experience for sure. And I remember Sam Weish calling me up and telling me that they were going to draft me. And he said, how would you like to be a Cincinnati Bengal? And I told him, you know, Sam, at this point, I just want to be drafted by anybody. I don't really care. Um, and luckily, it was him. And, and ultimately, as I've grown older and look back on my time in the NFL, uh, what was really important for every NFL player, and still is this very day, is stability within a franchise. And the unique thing about Sam that year was he was a rookie head coach, and I was one of his first three or four draft picks to come in in 1984. So that stability over the next seven years really allowed me to become the player that I ultimately became. Was there a team that you wanted to be picked by? Um, you know, I thought initially the Baltimore Colts would have been perfect for me. Um, you're probably too young to remember this, but in 1983, they selected John Elway with the first overall pick in the 1983 NFL draft. John Elway told the Baltimore Colts that he did not want to play for them, that he wanted to be traded. And the Baltimore ultimately acquiesced because John Elway had a baseball career that he could use as leverage. And Baltimore traded him to the Denver Broncos in 1983 in exchange for a couple players and a few picks. The next year would have been the 1984 draft, my draft, and Baltimore would have been looking for a quarterback. And if they were still the Baltimore Colts at that time, they probably would have drafted me because I went to the University of Maryland, which is about 20 miles south of Baltimore, which would have been the perfect fit. But lo and behold, right before my draft in 1984, the Baltimore Colts, Colts loaded up the Mayflower moving vans and moved to Indianapolis. And right as they moved to Indianapolis, I had a press conference at the University of Maryland prior to that 84 draft saying that I did not want to play for the Colts, that I was upset that they were leaving Baltimore because a big portion of the fan base for the University of Maryland when I was playing there was from the city of Baltimore. So I didn't want to go play for the Colts in some other city. With the recent success of Brock Purdy having been picked last in his draft, do you think it's more important to be drafted early or to the right team? It's always got to be to the right team, the right structure, the right offense to fit your scheme, and hopefully a team that, you know, we'd like to think is building. So when they drafted Brock Purdy, they weren't thinking, okay, we're going to draft this guy first overall, and then we're going to have to let him flounder for three years before we can build the team up around him. Uh, they were, it was kind of like a throw-in draft for them. Like, this is the last pick of the draft. He was Mr. Irrelevant. Let's take this kid. We kind of like him, but he doesn't have all the physical attributes that we look for in an NFL quarterback. Plus, the year before, we drafted Trey Lance, number three overall. So we're just going to draft this guy as, a, as maybe a, 
a potential backup if he if he shows anything in practice. Well, luckily for Brock Purdy, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt, Trey Lance gets hurt, and then Brock Purdy gets thrown in there. And he actually has a team that is built to go win a championship right now. And that kind of helps his transition a little bit more. He didn't have to take over in week one. He sat and watched for seven or eight, nine weeks. I forget how long it was. And he was what I would consider a very mature rookie, meaning that he played a lot of games in college, a lot of high draft choices in the NFL, especially at the quarterback position. These past few years don't play a lot of games in college. So they come in as green as you possibly can be. And they're asked to kind of learn the uh, NFL and learn how to become a pro. And if they don't have the right surrounding support system, uh, they're going to fail. And ultimately, Brock has the perfect system around him. He's got a great head coach. They got a great defense, the number one defense in the NFL. And look at all the playmakers and probably one of the best, if not the best offensive line in the NFL. So I can understand why he is successful, but still it comes back to the player. And the player has to be able to be mature enough to handle all the things that are going on. And one thing I can say about Brock Purdy, even though he may not look at physically, he's a pretty mature young man and certainly looks like he's a perfect fit for Kyle Shanahan's offense. Do you think it's smart to have college players go into the NFL draft when they are still when they still have eligibility left, like Zach Wilson being drafted to the New York Jets from BYU in 2021? You know, everybody's in a different set of circumstances. And nowadays, with the NIL going on in college uh, football, players may be reticent to leave because they're making so much money, you know, at their respective institutions. So let's say Shador Sanders is making $3 million driving around a Maybach on the University of Colorado campus. campus. You know, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot for a young kid. And plus, he's playing for his dad. Why would he come out? if he wasn't going to be maybe the first overall pick, maybe he would be the third quarterback taken in this year's draft. Why wouldn't he stay one more year with his dad, make that kind of money at Colorado, maybe even more because of the, the impressions that he's having on social media. I would imagine that there's a, an equation to determine how much he actually makes uh, and stay there and possibly win a national championship. And then next year in the draft in 2025, why not be the first overall pick and then get your pro career started then? So I think the dynamics of the money and the situations that these kids find themselves in college will determine whether or not they decide to come out early. Uh, you know, a lot of these guys like Zach Wilson wasn't making any money off the field in terms of his name, image, and likeness. Now, if he was at BYU, he probably could be and probably would be making a lot more money. So maybe that may not uh, you know, have him come out as early as he did. But I think once he found out that he was going to be a, tr- a top five draft pick, I think that's what ultimately made him to decide to jump into the draft. So unfortunately, he was taken probably by the wrong team at the wrong time. I was talking about consistency and stability. Uh, the Jets aren't really known for that. And I don't necessarily know that his maturity level was ready to absorb all the slings and arrows and criticism that was going to be coming his way here in New York. Yeah. A little bit of a tough state to live in, especially coming from Utah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, tough tough place to play. You know, fans here are definitely opinionated. Social media amplifies it. And I can't even imagine what it must be like for him trying to figure it out. It, part of me feels bad for him because I, I lived that world, but I didn't have the social media aspect part of it that these players have to deal with nowadays. Um, but ultimately, you know, he has an opportunity that very few people in life are given. 
and he's given he's been given three chances here now in New York. And I would think that this would be his last chance. If he doesn't get it right now, he may be looking for a job elsewhere. In your opinion, who are the top prospects for the 2024 NFL draft? I think Caleb Williams is a can't-miss player. You know, he and Marvin Harrison Jr. are two players at the top of the draft. As if the draft were today, right now the Chicago Bears have the first overall pick and the second overall pick. The first overall pick is by way of the Carolina Panthers, who haven't won a game this year. And the second overall pick is their own pick. So if I am that GM and I have those two picks in next year's draft, the two players that I am taking are Caleb Williams, number one, and then I'm taking Marvin Harrison, Jr., number two. And I have what I hope to be you know, a 10-year great run with those two great players at two of the most important positions on the offensive side of the ball. Boomer had some really interesting thoughts on the upcoming draft. What are some predictions you guys have? I think Bo Nix will go. I don't think he'll go very high, but I think he'll go higher than we all predict that he will. I think Bo Nix is a really, really good player, and I think he's kind of getting sleep on, and I think he's going to go high. Interesting. How how high do you think he's going to go? Are you talking like second overall? Are you talking second round? Where Where do you think he falls? I think he'll maybe be the third or fourth quarterback picked in this draft. I think he's a really good player. He's a little bit on the older side, maybe, but I think, you know, he's 23, and, you know, watching him play this year, I thought he was incredible, and maybe I'm a little biased, but I think he was a really good player. He's had an amazing year, for sure, and the teams are, are definitely going to notice that. Uh, what about you, Ellery? What are some predictions you have? I'm wondering what your guys think about Caleb Williams, man. I mean, for so long, everyone thought he was going to go number one overall, and it's still a great chance that he might. But at this point, it's it could go either way. A lot of people predict him to the Bears. A couple of people predict him to the Patriots. He wants to share whatever team he's at. So I guess whoever's willing to put up that bet, man. But what do you what do you guys think about him? I personally, I think that I think he's the most talented QB in the class for sure, and I think that's undeniable. But I think as a, if I was taking him number one overall, I think I'd have some questionable concerns on his character and I think a lot of teams are gonna are gonna see that and they're gonna and when they're comparing him to the other top QBs they're gonna see that and I think that might be where he drops just like one or two like spots I he's definitely gonna be a top five QB taken I don't a top overall player taken I don't think that's questionable but I think he could go like three or four what do you think are the concerns on his character I just think that like you can definitely see when he starts losing like a few like like losing in a game you can definitely see it affects him greatly like when he plays us like he was definitely like visibly frustrated like more than the average QB you think so I I definitely I definitely thought so I mean and maybe that's just me but like you can definitely see he was he like he just like is visibly like can't get back from it that's how I see it maybe that's just me but I definitely agree I mean watching him on the sideline he's got his head in you know hand head in his hands and you could tell that he's definitely really upset and there was that clip that surfaced of him you know going up to his mom and crying and I understand you know it's a hard game and but I know that that could mean you know taken in many different contexts and I think it was really bold of him to ask for some ownership in the team that he's going to go 
uh, play with, especially since he's making so much money now and then we'll be making a lot more money once he goes to the NFL. So I think that that's definitely going to kind of put a little bit of a target on his back um, looking into this new uh, draft coming up. And I think that's going to have a little bit of an impact for sure. Um, overall, I think he is a good player, and I think that he will go probably, you know, one or two of the quarterbacks pretty high up. So. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Uh, just a follow-up on that, though. Right now, the Chicago Bears are slated to get that number one pick with their trade with the Carolina Panthers. Do you think that the Bears will trade that pick, or do you think that they will take Caleb Williams or Drake May? Or, you know, what do you, what do you guys think about that? Taking Caleb Williams. Yeah, you think they get rid of Justin Fields in favor yeah. of Caleb? I'm not sure. I I think it, I think there's still a lot to to go to happen um, before the end of the season, but it'll it'll be probably Caleb Williams or Drake May. Um, I'm not sure what it depends on what they go with. I think also Marvin Harrison is on the board for them too. They need a wide receiver, and so I think if they're really high on him, they could just take Marvin Harrison at one. But, yeah. Wow, that and, would be crazy. That'd be unprecedented. That'd be unprecedented pick, but. Hey, Marvin Harrison's a generational kind of guy. <laughs> that just about wraps it up here from us at Gridiron Gold. Make sure to join us next time for our season recap episode. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.